Welcome to the Flicky Podcast, where even good movies get bad reviews. I'm your host, Chris. I'm your co-host, John. I like to say you're the star of the podcast. And the star of the podcast. There we go, the star. The king of queens, remember. And the bard of Bell Boulevard. There we go. Yeah, I like that too. That's alliteration right for you. That's true. So we have the host and the star. I am the The star. The star and the host. Uh, Today, we will be reviewing The Power of the Dog, the Oscar favorite. Yeah. Netflix's own. So let's get that out of the way before. And you can find this on Netflix. Yes. Right away. And it obviously got a limited release because otherwise it wouldn't have been eligible. Correct? Yeah, I think it, I think it was in theaters in L.A. and New York for a couple of weeks. But yeah. no one no one's going to see that in a movie theater. No, nor should they. <laughs> it's not a movie theater movie. No. Um, so, yeah, let me uh, I, I figured we'll talk about Sam Elliott in a minute. Yeah. Um, I figured I would ask a question and make a comment. OK. What do you want for question? Go comment first and then. Actually, no, because your comment might influence. I don't want it to influence my answer. So, okay. what's your question? What was this movie really about? That's a great question because that was. That's the number that's one question for me. One of my main criticisms of the film is it about a kid protecting his mother? Mm-hmm. Is it about a man repressing his? Well, one repressing his. Uh, sexual identity but also more importantly clearly having just recently lost the man that he loved yeah right yeah um it's not about two brothers it's sort of it seems i thought that's what it was going to be about no um it's not even about him torturing the family and did he really he just doesn't he's just a mean guy yeah, I mean, it, we all dealt with I, assholes in families. Yeah. So anyway, what, what what's your comment? Because we we'll, we'll get into that into that idea of what this movie is about. I mean, I have another question: Why does this movie exist? Oh well, you know, and I think that's a deeper one than the first one because, yeah. and the point being that I don't. This movie has nothing to say, in my opinion. has has very little. Has very no. Little that's to why say. I asked the question. I don't. If you don't, if I can't say what is this movie about, really, like bolts and nuts, Bob, excuse me, but bolts and nuts. What is this film about? What is it trying to say right. about anything? I don't, I don't, I really don't know what the point of this movie was. Um, the comment that I was gonna, I was gonna make is that there's certain parts in this movie that drag almost as long as that dinner scene. You know, oh the, my god! You know how like, I've, I have so many. It's almost as boring. It's. <laughs> Like I actually listen, the movie itself I don't think is a bad movie. I think it's it's not. I bad. think it's okay. This is not a. It's not a bad film. No. And frankly, it so we're it not gets unfair. It the movie, you know, treating it as a separate entity, um, in and of itself, regardless of who directed it and wrote it and all the politics that go around it, it's not the movie's fault that it's getting all this buzz. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I I agree. So I agree. If this movie didn't get nominated for any Oscars and got some, I don't know, independent spirit awards here and there. Yeah. No, I wouldn't be batting an eye. Yeah. You know, but probably I wouldn't be talking about the fucking movie either. This no. is why we're talking about no. it because of the buzz around it. You're going to hear this. You're going to hear the power of the dog a lot. Yeah. Next Sunday. Um, so yeah, I, I just, there's some parts in this movie that just drag. And when we get to that dinner scene, it's, it's, it's as boring as the conversations in that scene. Yeah, it's and as boring as the people, because some of the characters in this movie are fucking boring. 
Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I boring people. I actually, I'm not uh, the biggest fan of Cumberbatch as an actor. To be honest, I thought he, I thought he did a good job in this film with what he had. Yeah, it's a two dimensional character. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they Everyone's all kind of are. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that. Yeah. I mean, actually, the uh, Jesse Plemons character, the the old the Fatso, Fatso, <laughs> um, to me uh, is the most interesting character. There's something interesting about him. Like he's a coward oh he's a pussy he's a pussy but like and but he's very reserved and quiet emotionally yeah. but and he's lonely and but he's still caring and it seems clear to me that he does love his brother oh for um sure. yeah. and it just either and like it's interesting too even the way the brother abuses him it's it and i you know this is me as a viewer reading into this like almost like uh, Cumberbatch's character, what's his name? We got George. Phil. Phil. Phil abuses him because it rolls off George's back. Like yeah. George, it seems like George genuinely never takes in his insults, and like it, they have this relationship where, like, yeah, you could just, I, you could shit on me all you want. It's not going to affect me, and it almost bothers Phil. Yes, which I find I interesting. Think, I think it probably took him years to grow that hard bark. Right, yeah, because yeah. you know, just the the one of the first lines in this movie is the brother calling him Fatso, and it's like, right. okay, I we've, guess we we've know we've established, this movie is. yeah, we've established yeah. a dynamic right off the bat, <laughs> and he's I, just like, yeah, you yeah. know, twenty years is a long time, Phil. Right, but you know, at the same time, it's like again, this is why I find the character <sighs> interesting. Seems like it rolls off his back, but then there's actually that really nice, poignant scene where he starts. He's with uh, his wife his new new bride and mm -hmm. they're off to, uh, to the side of the road they're you know they're going on like a picnic essentially yes um and he just starts crying and he's like you know yeah. basically like says something to the effect of uh you know i'm not i'm not alone anymore correct you know which means okay so this uh, this whole situation maybe the relationship with his brother his life has hit him deeply than we ever understood and i mm -hmm. thought and that was early in the film, and I was like, "Oh, now this is this is getting interesting." I mm -hmm. like, I like. We're gonna learn more about these people. Nope, no. never see him again. Nope. And George, it, like, it stops being. George just goes away. He does. He's not really in the movie for the last uh, forty. He's minutes, irrelevant. Yeah, he's just not. Like there. they're not even playing to the fact that like Phil apparently is driving this woman to drink, and George isn't there Which, to protect her. Okay. But at the same time, and I know what you're gonna say. Yeah. What did Phil do to push? I, like, even when she was drinking, when I'm like, oh, she's a drunk. Yeah. I was like, oh, I guess she's always been a drunk. Maybe maybe Phil was kind of right that like he, to be suspicious of her. And then you find out later when the kid says, oh, yeah, she never used to drink. And I'm like, oh, it's supposed to be that Phil drove her to drink. Yes. Because of her their home situation. Talk I'm like, about a weak person. Yeah, well, it just doesn't add up. She's that character is, but is very weak. But the thing is, I think it you have to interpret her as weak because it's weak writing. Yeah, the, the so problem I think you actually writing. saying the character is weak is charitable to the writing because I don't think they want to necessarily portray that as the reason. The reason why she becomes a drunk is not because she's weak. The reason she becomes a drunk is because Phil pushed her there because he's abusive to an otherwise kind because person. Because he does deliverance dueling ban banjos while she plays the piano i mean like you're a schemer he like insulted her once yeah that we see that this is literally would this would be like this would be like 
Tina's, your fiance's uh, sister's driving you to drink. Right. Because they don't like you and they're Because they don't like me. Yeah. Do you know and how ridiculous that sounds? Be like, I didn't push you to drink. You're like, when he screamed about her That's, being a drunk, I'm it's like, such a bet. It's a flaw a, in this movie, in my opinion. She's, I, dude, she it, is the only one. Well, here's the thing, too. And, and listen, maybe we're wrong. Maybe that isn't the only reason she drank. But that seems to be the case because it's. She seems didn't drink after justify. her husband died. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, here's my thing. So, the the dinner scene, which is kind of the climax, an early, maybe an early climax of the yeah. film. It's too early to call it. it climax, I think I would but... say it ends part one of the film. Sure. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, like she's like completely embarrassed, out of her yeah. depth, mm-hmm. embarrassed to play the piano. Feels... And these are head big shots. The go- yeah, it's the go- the governor is there. For the this governor di- dinner. These are big shot cattle ranchers. So she's there. The, it's clear that the brothers, oh, they have influence. They come from an influential family. They have yep. a big ranch. They have money. Yep. Uh, and so they're there to host the governor mm-hmm. and his wife. Which happened right away, by the way. Immediately. And <laughs> she's completely feels feels out of her depth. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm I just understand. a poor woman who had a restaurant where I served fried chicken. You know what I mean? To prostitutes and, and, and rebel and, rousers. Yeah, and, and cattle wranglers. <laughs> yeah. So now I have to entertain this governor, and, like, there's that there's that moment where George just walks away, and she's standing there holding the drinks, yeah. and which makes her feel— That's actually you a bullshot scene, in my opinion. Well, yes. It's I, a bullshot movie. The, and she feels, you know, a foot tall, and she, like, gets scared and can't play the piano. Yeah. And that—so that's sort of—that's the trauma— of that scene, right? Mm-hmm. None of that has to do with Phil. So no. am I supposed to believe that stinky-ass Phil comes into the room, <laughs> says, oh, you didn't, you're not dancing? You're not playing the piano? Which is kind of a dig at her. The piano. Yeah. And he's <laughs> not. He yeah, the piano. The piano. Uh, and, like, he's trying to dig at her, and, like, that's the nail in the coffin for her. Like, it, yeah. And it's not even shot that way. She kinda, He kind of just says the comment, and they move on. But, like, the damage is done. Phil didn't do anything in that scene. And that is the main scene that we see of her being uncomfortable slash traumatized in her new environment. And it has virtually nothing to do with Phil. No, and if the subtext is she's worried about Phil coming and ruining it, there is nothing that shows that. There's no subtext that that suggests it. Actually, everything suggests that Phil ain't showing up. Yeah, and she she tells her husband, uh, George, that... Uh, she doesn't really want to play the piano because she's not a good piano player. Yeah. So she feels pressured to she do it. She said it multiple times. Exactly. Didn't feel comfortable with him buying the grand. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel comfortable with having to play it. And he's so we aloof. Have her... Not that he doesn't care about her. He just doesn't realize that it actually affected her that much. Right, exactly. Because he's not a, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's not, not old. an empathetic he's person. He's dim. Yes, he's and dim. it's clear that way. Um, but, yeah, and she's trying to show tunes beforehand. She keeps fucking up, which is yeah. also a, a pretext to her being embarrassed on the day. Again, yeah. nothing to do with Phil. I get it. Phil played the banjo and interrupted her piano yeah, practice. He was, he was playing Taylor Swift's Red. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on, dude. So um, wait, I'll just say one thing about that scene before we get into, like, kind of the story and stuff like this. That scene, um, it just made me think about how Hitchcock would have done that scene. It would have been so much more menacing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, s- just some so psycho much. Shit. Oh, yeah. It would have been so much better. And the tension. Instead, I got that a little bit. Don't get me wrong. It's it's a, it's a unsettling, but it's not. But it's tension 
It it's like so much better. Le- it's like the first level of tension. It's like, oh, where is this going? Yeah. And it doesn't go anywhere. No. Nothing happens. No. I mean, it's my it's it's the flaw of this film, and, and frankly, it's an issue I have with Jane Campion's other work, which I've seen. And I listen. I do think she's talented, and like, but it just feels like it's the illusion of substance. It's not just to her. A lot of films do this. A lot of fucking independent movies do this, especially where it's these human stories and human experiences, which I'm all about. Mm -hmm. But it's like, there's not a lot going on. It's this kind of slice of life film. And I'm like, why are you making me watch this? Why am I either paying a ticket or sitting on the TV and wasting two hours of my day Mm -hmm. uh, to watch this? What are you trying to say? What's the story? Is there a narrative here? Like, tell me a story. And, yeah, and it just it's like this excuse where like if it's shot well and there's this emotional subtext and there's these relationships that are antagonistic, which all that means is they don't the people don't like each other. And the writer has shoehorned that into their characters. Yeah. And we're watching that's like, oh, this must we're just going to show this on screen. And it, it just by virtue of those uh, those things of it, mm-hmm. of um an antagonist, a protagonist in the old West in a nice old house shot really well, nice cinematography, menacing music. There's substance here and there's not, no, there's not any substance. Nope. I mean, like to your point, like Hitchcock, it's not just the fact that of, um, when it comes to Hitchcock, it's like, he didn't, his, crowning uh, god what am i trying to say his best points hitchcock's best attributes were did not lay into his characterizations Mm -hmm. it was the situations right yeah but by virtue of the mastery of storytelling and watching these characters and he had great actors watching these characters but they're great actors in this film as well watching these characters react to these extraordinary situations Mm -hmm. created the depth of character yes just by virtue of the situations, it's a, it's an action reaction. So we're we're like we get to see who these people are made of. I think right. like Jimmy Stewart in Rear Window is a good example. He's yeah. actually a a fully him and Grace Kelly both fully fledged out, fully formed characters. Mm-hmm. But you it forms throughout the film because you're so was wa- Raymond Burr, right? Yeah, and we don't he don't we just hear a couple lines of dialogue from him but we know everything about him exactly because there's so much suggestion and yeah. and all the right re- essentially the story creates the character mm-hmm. here and again a lot of independent movies do this where it's like they want the characters to create the story we're going to introduce you to these characters you're going to live with them you're going to watch how they react how they interact with each other and a story is going to come out of that that's what yeah. it feels like and it didn't and oh. it often doesn't and so i'm like this is this is nothing. I'm not wa- watching anything. It's not even cotton candy because it's not even necessary. The cotton candy would be it's tasty. It's a quick sugar rush. It's at, you know which would be like entertaining, like a stupid action movie or something. Yeah. It's not even that. It's like yeah. l- it's like lettuce, dry <laughs> lettuce. Celery. It's like a, yeah, it's like a bowl of <laughs> lettuce and celery. Being like, look, you're eating healthy. Well, lettuce is actually mostly water. You're not actually really. You're not getting any calories. You're not getting any okay. protein. You're not getting any fat. You're not getting any carbs. But it's the illusion of a healthy meal. Yeah. That's what this movie feels like to me. Yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't disagree with any of that. Uh, and well, I'll just say too, it it does have the seeds of an interesting film. Like mm-hmm. I do think 
Phil's relationship with the kid it's probably the a better movie, book than a movie. That's what I, I had that same thought too. And it's interesting to me, like, oh, where I I I was interested once the kids started talking with Phil. I was I got hooked again because mm-hmm. uh, I sort of got a lull once the woman moved in and the governor scene. After that, it just lulled out and she's drinking. Yeah. I'm like, okay, and I'm like, why is this? There's a few kid of those here? scenes, and I mean, there's there's some scenes where, um. <clears throat> Where to me didn't make sense at the time. I actually scoffed at it while I was watching it, but then by the end of the film, it made sense. Like when when the cattle ranchers are outside and the kid voluntarily comes up to Phil and the cattle ranchers kind of surround him, and I'm yeah. like, this seems like a forced scene in order to get the Phil to pick on the kid. But then by the end of the movie, I realized, or at least I read into it this way, I was like, oh, the kid's doing that on purpose. Yes, he's trying to get in with phil on purpose so he know and it's like almost like he's sacrificing himself like i know i'm gonna have to eat shit from these guys but i'm just gonna keep doing it to get close to this guy and that is interesting yeah but i just feel like they could have fleshed it out more like uh, i'll give you a great example in that governor scene and uh where well i'll just say it first the governor says oh your brother graduated phi beta kappa from yale yeah in he classics. graduated Phi Beta Kappa from Yale in classics, reads ancient Greek and Latin. Yes. Where the fuck is that in the movie? Where is that? I, so I, I, you yeah. don't, and you don't need to, and like, I get it. There, it's again, it's this contrast. Like, oh, this guy turned his back on that life. Um, yeah. He was once a scholar. He just wants to be a rancher. That actually makes it more interesting to me that he fucking sleeps in his chaps. Yeah. Which Sam Elliott doesn't like, but I, 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 I think it's interesting. It's it's weird. It's supposed to be weird, Sam Elliott. Yeah. That's part of the problem. He, um, it, he also says things. If you listen to Phil's dialogue, where it, it sounds like he's trying to sound like a rancher instead of actually yeah. being a rancher. Oh, I actually which, didn't think of that. That's which, interesting. Which this is a this is a learned man. It's a very intelligent man trying not to be exactly. And if you view it that way, like I mean, I, it took me a couple of times to view it that way, but that's. I think that's what they're trying to go for because he literally says there's gold and minerals up in their hills. He says that. And I'm like, no way. No one talks like that. There's no way that an intelligent man like that would say anything like that. And again, that speaks to like Buck Henry as a character might be the most interesting character in the film. Uh, But he talks about – but it seems like (laughs) going off what you just said, I and I guess there's more a question to you. Do you feel like it's him trying to aspire to be this guy, Buck Henry, who wasn't a learned man? He was a rancher. I think he was a cowboy. I, and he's like, that's the guy I want to be. And yeah, he, I think he wants to connect. And he shuns his education. I think he can. I think he's uh, obviously he's a very repressed homosexual. Homosexual, sure. Who loved Bronco Henry. Yeah. And did. I think he wants to still have him be part of his life because it's probably his only homosexual relationship. At right. that point, it could have been even as like he claimed he was very young or loved when him. he found them. It's either that, and, either or. Well, also he. It sounds like Buck Henry very possibly was like basically groomed him. I guess you could say it was well, a sexual awakening. I'll tell you, right? I'll tell you, and I'll bring this up when he does the drink in the beginning of the movie with the guys. He talks about him and George being Ramius and Remus and the and wolf, by wolves, the wolf, and I'm like, that's. On a, would, would you? I wouldn't want someone that I <laughs> that loved me refer to me as a wolf, <laughs> even what? in that context. 
Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a yeah. double meaning. There's a double meaning yeah, behind yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, uh, Of course. And I, I but also do Ram- think that the a... meaning is Romulus and Remus hate each other. One kills the exactly. other. Exactly. There's there's you two know, meanings there, there. There's a rivalry between brothers. But I brothers. do think there is something to be said that uh, he could have been preyed upon a little bit. Yeah, I yeah no, I agree. I, I think there's... Yeah, there's the that grooming aspect to it. I know, which it, is what he's going to then do. Well, okay, so spoil alert. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're we're talking about this film, assuming people have seen it. Yeah, spoil alert. Okay, so when we, uh, uh, when we go talk about what this movie is about, there's, uh, let me go into a digression for a second. Uh, you know the New York Post, right? Yeah. So I, I read the New York Post for its sports and its film reviews because it's pretty good. I am not reading it for its quote-unquote news. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They used to have um, a movie critic there named Lou Luminick. I don't know. If yeah, you know. I know. Lou Luminick. Because I, I used to read the Post's film reviews too. Very him, good. They had him and Kyle Smith. I'm going to talk too. about Kyle Smith in a minute. Yeah. That's why I'm going to. But so Lou was. Who's not there anymore, right? No, he's there. Oh, he's there. Oh, he's still there. He, but he, and he's also the lead uh, film critic for the National Review. Gotcha. That's why I thought he wasn't yeah. there anymore. So Lumenick is is actually pretty good, even if I disagreed with it. Like you always knew it was coming from an intelligent place. Uh, if you read his longer um, form reviews, very intelligent. Uh-huh. Um, I used to love reading it. And then they started siphoning him out because I guess he's, you know, older. And he's. I don't even think I don't think he reviews for the Post anymore at all. Actually, so now instead we have Kyle Smith, who has been there for about ten years, but. At the post, yeah, it's got to be longer than that. Longer than that, I, I remember reading his reviews when I was a teenager. Because he used sure, to be—he used to be the small guy when I was working. He used to like you would read it every once in a while. Now he's the head guy. Like it's very obvious. Like he, every film review is by right by Smith. But I'm saying I think Smith's been at. The, oh, okay. Yeah, we we I, can I look it up. But I'm just saying, like that's when I started noticing. Oh, he has a bigger. Voice I, I haven't read. I, I haven't read a review by him in the last fucking ten years. Okay, uh, with the actual physical post in my hand. I've yeah. read it on through Rotten Tomatoes and things He's, like that. He, Smith has kind of become like the Phil Mushnick. I don't know if you know who Phil Mushnick is. No, I don't. Phil Mushnick is uh, – he writes about sports media for The Post. Okay. And he thinks the world should still be Soupy Sales and Dick Cavett. Right. And <laughs> Leave it to Beaver. And But, like, he betrays, like, everything he says because uh, – I'll give you an example. You know how Aikman and Buck just signed mega deals? No, the I didn't. SPN. They did. They they're going to be the Monday Night Football crew. Wow. Okay. Uh, Mushnick barely ever went after Fox Sports media and like their like commentators and stuff like that. But he'll go after everybody else's. So get ready for him to just shit on Buck and Aikman now that they're in the SPN. <laughs> so he's dishonest, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a company man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So Smith, since you know, I don't want to get too much into the weeds here but if you read smith went from being an okay film reviewer you know sometimes like lumnick i agree with him or disagree with him sure since ever since trump went down the escalator Mm -hmm. all of his reviews have become virtue signaling conservative social justice warrior critiques really use every single movie through that through that prism now instead of actually viewing what the movie is and yeah so he's he's reading into the framework obviously this is operating within that framework and it's through that framework by which i'm gonna criticize the movie so that's not fair to the film i mean there are films that do that but so he does it for every film. film now 
and he does it and it's so much so that he now is a top editorial Swear. writer for the post so Swear he'll write film he'll write political editorials a film critic for the post anyway however i have to say i kind of agreed with him about this movie the power of the dog okay what did he say he said the movie is so obvious and it, it as in yes okay the, the the we find out that he's actually gay no shit yeah everything is so in your face and like they try to yeah mask it's almost it, like but we they ha- can't well we, we so have obvious. to make sure that you know one or two we don't know what else to talk about yeah Do you know what Every- I mean? like there's no story there so we gotta just focus on this character yeah. and we're gonna give away the game by minute 10 yeah were you shocked that phil's a homosexual no, it's but like it's even when I first started watching, I'm like, he really likes this Buck Henry guy. Yeah. And as the movie came, I'm like, oh, he's talking about him. Oh, he's gay. He, okay. He talks he about Buck Henry. He talks about like him they needed, as if we talk about like the hottest piece of ass we had in high right. school. Right. <laughs> but like that's the thing. Like giving away the game, you have the scene where he's got the scarf, which clearly belonged to Buck. Oh yeah. Uh, that's and what, he's that's what I do every night, by the way. Yeah, I, no, me too. We I, all do. I mean, but like. I, I take something of a loved one and I masturbate with it around my hand. Yeah, we That's, listen. We're all human beings. Normal. We're all flesh and blood. This is normal stuff. So he's doing that in, in the sunlight, in the yeah, mildew. in the in the in the, <laughs> in the pond, putting it on his balls and his cock. <laughs> I'm like, dude, just have him scream, "I'm gay and I love Buck Henry." You know what I mean? Like what else? Like what else? It was that scene where I'm like, why am I watching this anymore beyond yeah. this? I get it. I get it, man. Yeah. So let's let's do something with this. Now we now the cat's out of the bag. That's fine. Yeah. Where are we going to go with this? I, I don't and know. He's like, and he screams, go, go, get out of here. Get out of here, cat. Runs the kid <laughs> out of the out of the water. Some hot Cumberbatch ass. Yeah. And, and like, I, I don't even necessarily understand why he's flipping out of the kid. I mean, it's yeah, just, that was another thing. It's another, it's forced, it's forced antagonism. I would just be like, I'm bathing. Yeah. It's forced antagonism. I mean, I would tell, I would, if I would, yeah, I would just be like, dude, what the fuck? Right. Or if you want to hop. Oh, he's such a tyrant. Is that what we're supposed to think? I don't know. But going back now to the, again, to the Phi Beta Kappa Yale thing, yeah. I thought, okay, once you find that out and they start building a relationship with the kid, I thought maybe they would bond over that a little. Yeah, because the kid is a college. college, He wants to be a doctor. He's clearly very talented, clearly very intelligent. Yeah. You see, he's dissecting the rabbit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm like, oh, okay. I I wanted, and I guess this is prescriptive, but I wanted like just a moment. Uh, It doesn't have to be a whole scene or even several scenes. Like just a moment where we see a glimpse of the Yale Phi Beta Kappa grad. No. Where it actually could have been a moment of like vulnerability and genuine connection with the kid, and to me that like, I think uh, uh, filmmakers, writers, whatever the medium is, can underestimate or or estimate and recognize the power of having a moment or two adding depth to a character. Mm-hmm. Like it could open a whole new world. Like oh, I didn't know, I didn't know that guy felt that way about x yeah like the part where george is it just has that one moment where he cries and he's like i'm not gonna be alone anymore Correct. we understand so much about this guy now yeah. so much more about this guy yeah. and we don't get any of that there's nothing absolutely nothing in this film that suggests phil is a yale student who studied classics and graduated phi beta kappa from the greatest college on earth so 
And I'm not saying that that speaks to the idea that it's bullshit that he graduated Yale. Yeah. It speaks to the missed opportunity of exploring more of this guy when he's in like the whole movie is about him. Yeah. It's about these characters. There's four characters in the film. One drops out and Phil is the main focal point. He's yes. the one that holds through all it's how he many has the chapters connect, he are has there? The five yeah. five chapters. He has the connection to every to character. every character. Yeah. He the also I think another problem is that we don't really know why these two brothers who are college men who are wealthy are fucking ranchers in Wyoming. They don't Yeah, that's okay. I, no, I, I know, but it they it make speaks a point. It, it tells me that they're rich kids who went off and started their own ranch and they, they know how to they do were, it except for you know yeah and phil bronco helped yeah because george clearly doesn't know what to do i mean that that to me seems to be what it is it's kind of interesting right is that phil was in love with bronco henry wanted to be like him yeah so he's the one that learned how to ra- be a rancher and cattle yeah. wrangle and all that stuff and he really gets down in the dirt yeah george doesn't george is always clean very you know prim and proper he's got his suit on all the time he's got the hat Mm -hmm. um he's using the bath like the bath in the beginning of the movie it's another you know kind of important scene and and he's like you ever use the bath he's like no Mm -hmm. phil doesn't bathe um so yeah they seem to be like kind of green and phil is kind of larping as a cowboy in a way right yeah (laughs) so (laughs) larping yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like he kind of is a cowboy. I, I, I don't know. He's uh, become one. He's become. He's... He has actually genuinely become one, and I think that's that's kind of the idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but even I mean, if it comes to the point where your own employees though keep on trying to ask you stories about Bronco Buck Henry, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you talk about him a lot, don't you? I mean, though, even those scenes seem kind of forced to me. Like, what's up in the mountains, Phil? Oh God! Like, are you are you are you seven years is old? That... I think that was the th- – you know how they were trying to like – how you said like the connection part and like the vulnerability? Uh-huh. I think they were trying to go for that. I don't know when, what they were going for. I think they were trying to go for that, that emotionality when uh, the kid tells Phil that there's a dog in the mountain. Oh, really? That's what I think. Yeah. Because that's – Cause oh, cause uh, where he's Buck, like, oh, when he's shocked and he says, oh, you, you're exactly. able to see the fa- his face? Exactly. Yeah, but only, I think only us gays can see the dog. Oh, you think so? Yeah, because I, no one else can see it. I just took it as uh, it's it's a real. It was like a realization for Phil. Like, oh, he's like Bronco Henry. This is gonna be my new. Oh love. yeah, I think it's I think it's both of those. Right, absolutely. He realized, oh, this this kid's special. Yes, yeah, I'm attracted to him. Yeah, and I think he sees like him. It seems. Again, it's this contrast of he sees himself in the kid. Like, you are what I was to Buck Henry. That's what I think. Right. Yes. I think he used to be like that. Probably not as awkward. Right. Uh, because the kid is insanely awkward. Yeah. Uh, so I, I laugh, though. And I kind of want to do this whenever someone gets on my case. I kind of just want to go outside and start hula hooping. Right, yeah. I laughed when that happened yeah. because that's such a weird. It's so weird. Yeah, it's yeah. such a weird response. See, that's the kind of stuff I like. I think I, <laughs> just angrily hula hooping, yeah. and the mom just looks. Like, okay, well. it's like, oh, this is a strange, strange kid. Okay, but that's interesting. <laughs> it is. How many old, how many Wild West movies do you see where a fucking person's hula hooping? Yeah. <laughs> I know Sam Elliott hated that shit. Oh yeah, 
fucking hated that. Where are the guns? <laughs> I thought we were at Westerns for men. God you know how many it. cattle ranchers I know in Texas <laughs> with big families? It's a disgrace. Why do you have an accent, Sam? You're from Cali, bro. You're from Northern California. Fuck you. <laughs> I do like Sam, though. Yeah. No, I do. And listen, I pretty, I'm pretty. i kind of on his side. I don't think it's a good film. And I, 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 I it's not a bad film. I, I but I, and I wouldn't necessarily call it a piece of yeah. shit. But... I agree with his assessment of the film, just not how he how he yeah, said it came across as very. I just wouldn't. I would feel bad recommending this to anybody because I'd be like, I don't want uh, you just waste your time. Yeah. I'd rather watch a really bad film. I'd rather watch a. I'd rather. I would rather Robin watch Hood, Prince exactly. of Thieves. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I much. Yeah. I think that's a better use of your time. Yeah. There's there were a lot better movies that came out last year than this. Um. It's just hype, bro. I mean, you know the problem. Uh, the problem with this movie was the writing because everything yes. else, everything else, I I thought was pretty pretty well done. Uh, it's shot really well. Johnny Greenwood did the score. He's the lead guitarist for Radiohead. Yeah. Although I will say, and uh, part of it is the editing slash directing too, because I do feel like there were parts where, well, uh, let me finish my thought. Yeah. Where the music was forcing a mood. Okay. I'm trying to think of parts, but like specifically there were scenes between Phil and Kirsten Dunst. Uh, what's her name? Whatever. <laughs> between the wife and Phil, <laughs> where it was like this Hitchcocking, like, yeah. like music playing. Yeah. And I'm like, why is this? Like the music is trying to tell me how to feel. Yeah. And there which were... is problem with movie music in general. This is a, a criticism that, filmmakers have had in the past i know bergman was like offended if you know he's like i'm not gonna put music in my movie that's offensive um it could be propagandistic yeah. but so my well, criticism of that queuing thing yes uh but my criticism of that is that that is a directing criticism slash editing because you know campion's ultimately deciding you know put the music here and yeah. but to your point ultimately it's a symptom of the weakness of the writing because it's almost yeah. like nothing happens here in the writing. No. So we got to make it seem like something's happening. Yeah, everything's And forced. add some undercurrent of, uh, you know, emotional turbulence or yeah. intensity yeah. because the writing can't hang on its own. It can't live on its own. Yeah. It needs help. Yeah. Um, also, she does what we, what we, we criticized Aaron Sorkin with the napkin. And like the Chekhov's napkin, yeah, they did the same thing with this movie. The first scene, they talk about anthrax. Yeah, well, and then you hear anthrax what twice again? Uh, yeah, but that uh, that's just more We're spoiling the movie. But who cares? Well, I thought the worst, the worst spoiler. Well, combining the two, I guess, uh, was the voiceover in the beginning with the kid being like, "I'll do anything to save my mother." Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, going knowing in. it going in when he starts yeah. hanging out with Phil, I'm like, oh, this kid doesn't really like him. No, I knew that from the get Correct. because of that voiceover and you didn't need it. Yeah. And no. again, it's almost like you had to just spell it out just in case the audience at the end of the film didn't get it. The yeah. kid killed Phil. Yes. In case they didn't get it by lacing the rope that Phil was braiding. Yes. With anthrax. With anthrax. And. 
yeah, I, I did read some criticism online of people saying, like, how did the kid know? You know, he couldn't have planned for that. And which I, I think is a silly criticism because ultimately no, I'm like, we see no, him with a dead animal. Well, no, the idea being like he had the dead animal. He's making the rope out of the dead animal. But in order for have the Phil have Phil handle the anthrax and kill him to make sure to kill him, he had the open wound. Right. right. Yes. So he didn't give him the open wound. Yeah. But I do think I don't think it's a valid criticism because ultimately it's like, well, the kid was just looking for opportunities. He, yeah, exactly. he wasn't necessarily going to kill him right the there. Would, he would have he found him. something else. He would have shot him on accident. He, yeah, he exactly. would have done something at some point. Yeah, but just, he saw an opportunity and yeah. was like, oh, okay, this is, uh, this is the way to yeah. do it. And it makes me queer. Right. <laughs> and it's actually – it is it is an interesting uh, character flip where Phil wakes up the next day. He's clearly ill. Yeah. You know he's going to die. Yeah. Um, and he still goes in. He's got the finished rope, and he wants to give it to the kid before he leaves. Yeah. That's the last thing he thinks about. Yeah. That's the only thing that's he thinks about. Am I? Oh, now that now the kids become the villain yeah. in a way because I do actually feel bad for Phil. By yeah, the but end we find that's we find out who Phil is at the end. What do you mean? We find out like all the bullshit, all the anger, all the resentment, all the nastiness is really uh, surface in a lot of regards to uh, his pain, his pain, his love. Yeah, because he actually does have those things. And they're pretty deep, and they're pretty uh, – they're large feelings, actually. Right. They're pretty overwhelming, I think, for him. Um, but we don't get any glimpse of that until he's about to fucking die. Right. And that's it. No well, other real – We get some glimpses when he's with the kid. Yeah, yeah at the end the when he's making the rope. But to your point – about, you know, how yeah, the, but to your point, I never – because we never get that glimpse earlier, like any sort of softness no. whatsoever – I'm not even I'm on I can't even yeah so I can't even really gauge whether he's being genuine with the kid which ultimately by the end of the film looking back I'm like oh I think he was yeah but I wish I would have been more emotionally invested if I had gotten a better setup to that to really buy right away oh uh, he actually is connecting with the kid but maybe that's maybe that was the point maybe the filmmaker she she wanted you to not know whether he was actually connecting or not so i don't understand and this is the writing i don't understand why he hated his brother finally finding a woman and being married well that i got i i is that because because he's now alone and he yeah and i think he's jealous about that that's how i took it i took it to be like he um I I had my love. Yeah. I couldn't. First off, it was taboo. Obviously, it's the old west. Yeah, you know, homosexuality is not going to be accepted. Um, I lost him. Yeah, I have no one now. And then you found somebody. Yeah, and I want what you have. Yeah, and I can't have it. Uh huh. So he goes deeper into his work. He's, you know, it seems like he gets kind of stinkier. Maybe I'm reading into this, but like, <laughs> Bay's less. He's more ornery. Um, and it's just a reminder, I think, to him of his void. That's how I took it. I I could be. I uh, I take it the same way, but it's just, I don't know. You could have. It was so obvious. That's that's my problem. Yeah, no, it's obvious. It's It's, all the whole movie's obvious. The whole movie's obvious. Jesus Christ, we get it, bro. Yeah, that's the thing. It's an obvious film. Yeah, that, obvious that's, shit. That's what Kyle Smith said. It, yeah. Everything about this movie is obvious. And like, you know, 
this even the scenes i'm like in a well constructed uh film book script whatever there's a certain cause and effect right mm-hmm. one scene leads to the other at least it should feel that way yeah right but these scenes could have been interchanged in a lot of places they yeah. could have changed like her with the hides um you know the governor scene it could have just as easily been another type of scene that traumatized her yeah it could have just as easily been another fight that he had with her instead of calling her a schemer yeah. he like takes a shit in her shoes or something you know what i mean like it it was like the scenes were a means to an end yeah. they weren't an ending of themselves and they what i'm and really what i'm saying is they weren't vital scenes they weren't vital to the heart of the story yeah like it's just a lot of fluff and the fluff could have been interchanged for other fluff. Yeah. You he, didn't make it integral to the story you were telling. Mhm. Which yeah. is what why they lack such emotional weight. Yeah. And the other problem with the movie is that he's kind of right about Kirsten Dunst's character. Yeah, she's she was drunk and gave away all his eyes. She's she's ill. She's Every, a burden. Yeah, everything he I mean, other than the schemer, I don't think she's a schemer. No, all. no, no. Uh, but that when, was like his first he, thing he said to her. Yeah. Once he drives her over the edge, which, man. Which she, you don't see. Jesus Christ. Which happens off screen. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. So she, once all that happens, he's 100% right about her. Right. She's a drunk. She's, uh, you know, is not picking herself up or helping herself out. I mean, she doesn't stand up to Phil, which fair enough. No one stands up to Phil. But no one stands up to him. Like his bro- George, more, George does... should have told him to fuck off. Well, that's what I'm saying. He like that's really... your fucking wife. Like exactly. this is mu- as much on George as Phil. Like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me, dude? Yeah. Go to your, protect your wife. Yeah. Or at the very least, fucking go to your parents and be like, "Yo, Phil is out of fucking control." Right. Get your son. So is that the story that George is too weak or Phil's too evil? Which again. If this movie is about a man torturing an innocent woman, doesn't do a good I job don't of it. see it. No. I don't see it. No. Like, to the point where, again, when I see her drinking, I didn't connect it at first to Phil. And then it becomes obvious that it is about Phil. And I'm like, oh, I guess this happened off screen. You had two and a half hours, though, to to, to explore this. Yep. And instead of written scenes of this guy jerking off in a, in a pond. <laughs> Which is a, and the only point of that scene <laughs> was to, to say he's gay. Yeah, which that is we the got, only scene which we got. The only reason was it minute was to, eleven to visually show us, hey man, Phil's gay. Yeah, do you get it yet? I hope you do. <laughs> also, this movie doesn't paint gay people really well. Yeah, well, it really yeah. doesn't. No, yeah, there. And are, I'm not like. If you're a repressed gay man, you will be angry and lash out, and uh, yeah, that's that's essentially what this movie says. Villains, yeah, you're gonna be horrible to everybody. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know. I don't know how gay people don't find this movie problematic. I really, you know. Well, I I was thinking it's not too, Brokeback Mountain. Um, Nowhere near as good as that movie. You know, if the guy, I guess he's stuck in this cattle rancher life because of. Bronco Henry and stuff, but like you were a student at Yale, like there are liberal circles you could have found there even back then, right? Not only that, and to live a gay lifestyle, I mean that existed back then. Yes. So why would why would this be the environment in which you grew up? That seems like a self inflicted wound in a way. Yes. Like once Bronco Henry's dead, 
It's yes. like I, I get, but I guess yeah. To argue against myself, it's going back to like, well, I want to live where all my memories of him are and our relationship and on this ranch. And that was, that's where his heart is. But at the same time, uh, well, I'm going to argue with myself again. I guess you could (laughs) argue that Phil is actually is a repressed homosexual. He doesn't, Oh yeah. like maybe he doesn't. And what I mean is he doesn't even recognize to himself that he's homosexual. It's just a special connection he had with Bronco Henry. Yeah. And after that, I'm not going to go back to living a homosexual lifestyle. So that's possible. I too. think, you know, at some point, though, it's, so it's 1920. We're in Montana, right? It's yeah. Montana. They're, yeah, because it's the governor of Montana. Okay. So they're, and they're butch ranchers, and there's butch ranchers everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Phil is 40 something years old. Yeah. How old is he supposed He's to be? He's probably around 40. He's got to be around 40. Yeah. Maybe, you know. Uh, at some point, when are we going to start questioning that Phil might be gay with these other guys? He doesn't fuck any of the prostitutes there. Mm-hmm. He doesn't talk to any women ever. He only talks about Bronco Buck. Yeah. No, I don't. Uh, I don't think he was. It didn't seem to suggest that he was banging anybody. No, he. Well, he goes out of his way to to call out Fatso for you know. He's like, if you're looking for a piece of ass, why don't you just bang the ones that you you know. That you would bang, you know, for a dollar, whatever the fuck he said. Right, right yeah, when going he's in to a the, brothel. Yeah, when he's at the, uh, which was actually a really well-shot scene when he's lighting the cigarette on yeah. top of the staircase. And he's like, well, you, you don't have to marry this woman. And George is just like, good night, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I do love how he George just took, handles Phil. He took all that, all that shit, all that stuff, and he's just like, good well, night. That, to me, <laughs> were some of the most interesting moments in the yeah. film where he's He's trying to pick a fight with the guy. Oh, yeah. And, and he's menacing. He actually bait. is menacing. I would yeah. be scared shitless of this guy if he was doing that in front but of me. But it's interesting. I'm like, oh, he's like, it does speak to a brotherly relationship where I'm like, oh, this guy knows how to handle him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Good night, Phil. So again, and but that leads to a bit of incongruency to me with the relationship between Phil and the wife. It just seems like a forced, dramatic turn. Yeah. This... It's like we need a story in this film. Uh, I guess Phil they knew, tortures the mom, and so the son kills him. But yeah, like, we need that we, doesn't really. They happen. knew the ending where the homosexual boy was going to kill the repressed homosexual man. We needed a reason for that. Yes, and the we also need mom. and we need an ending too. It's got to end in some dramatic fashion. Oh, Phil's yeah, gonna die because if you really okay, think about well, this movie, meanders. It meanders. You don't know where it's heading. You don't know what the destination really is. It doesn't know either. The film doesn't know either. That's why it meanders. It's a meandering film. The film's about meandering. It's about anything. It's about meandering. Yeah. It's about ranchers hanging out in their house, and one guy gets married, and the other guy. Yeah. It's a pretty boring story. If you really, if you, if you really get it down, it's it's kind of boring. Yeah. Nothing yeah. happens, there, and there's no not... substance. It's got it's a movie that has nothing to say. Yeah, it's and that's... two and a half hours of having nothing to say. Yeah, and that's the problem with it. That's you know that's yeah. why I posed that question earlier. What is this movie about? Uh, we told you what it's about, but what is it really about? I can't really tell you. No, I can't really tell you. Sorry, I you know <laughs> again, like you said, beaten over the head with the homosexual thing. Yeah, you know. Once you've established that, 
all the other scenes are superfluous. So you mm-hmm. have the scene where this where the kid catches him in the pond, mm-hmm. but then you have the scene where the kid catches the magazines under right. the floorboards. Yeah. His uh, special spot. Yeah. So and it's got Buck Henry's name on it. Yeah. Just so we're sure. <laughs> yeah. Just so we know. Oh, Buck Henry's gay too. Okay, audience, you get it now. Some really, like, yeah, I got it already. Yoked, yoked dudes. You, I know who that is. It was Eugene Sando. Really? So uh, he was like, he's considered like the father of bodybuilding. Okay. Um, in like the 1880s, like the the <laughs> okay. Mr. Olympia statue. Okay. Pretty sure it's Mr. Olympia statue. Uh, is him. Okay. Like he's he like he was a natural bodybuilder because it was the 1880s or no steroids or anything. He was absolutely massive, yoked. Yeah. Like he would he would pose on stage at shows like for years and like mm-hmm. apparently women in the audience would like faint because they, you know, it wasn't <laughs> that wasn't a thing back then. Oh, that, that's like so he uh, was like a ger- he was German, I think. That's like Doom Patrol. Have you ever seen Doom Patrol? Uh, I've read it. The I bo- have The bodybuilder is so like yoked and everything like that. It causes everyone to orgasm. Around. Oh, really? Yeah, no, it was like that. Like women would faint in the audience, and like he had a wife, but he would cheat on her all the time, of and like course. fuck all these bitches. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, he would. He was like he sculpted his body. He was considered the father of modern modern bodybuilding. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, that, you... I, so I knew that. Okay, I have. I never seen his butt. No. So that was these guys got some glutes too. <laughs> nice. But yeah, the, the whole leaf thing, like the leaf, like he would yeah. do, he would pose for that, like it, you know, because it wasn't a porn magazine; it was a physical yeah. culture magazine. Like yeah. he would pose for that, like gay. in an artistic way. Yeah, it was like Statue of David type. Yeah. Stuff. You know, he wasn't thinking gay men were jerking off to him. Yeah, I, I don't know. It probably crossed so? his mind at some point. <laughs> we came in and existed, right? But he, you know, he was probably so full of himself that he probably like he's like, I'll take any all the attention I could get. More people adore me. It's a good thing. But yeah, he had a compliment. A, yeah, but like he has an idea. Like he has, he had a sick. I, I would kill it. Yeah, body, he was like huge. That guy. He was ripped, huge. Absolutely ripped. He had like an eight pack too. Do you think Bronco looked like him, or how do you picture Bronco? When they're I don't know. About I go because they like it's very specific the pictures they use. So it's like, was Bronco big like that? Was I don't know. I mean, I feel like he was either like a skinny older man or a really fat, <laughs> brawny older man. Like there's no in between. Yeah, fucking bear it wasn't like yeah, like a bear. He wasn't a regular guy. He was a bear <laughs> or an older, taller, like the lead singer of uh, Judas Priest. Twinkie guy. Priest. Yes, exactly. <laughs> He's a big dude. I picture uh, some not Matthew McConaughey, but someone like Matthew McConaughey in assless chaps. Yeah, always, uh, always in assless chaps, and they're bedazzled in rhinestones. <laughs> uh, that this film is so obvious with everything else. That's how if they had to show him, that's what they would put him in. Yeah, he was actually he was the Betsy Ross of the rainbow flag. Right. Yeah, that's how I uh, viewed him. There's a lot of lawbreakers out there. <laughs> I see a lot of lawbreakers out there. <laughs> but yeah, uh, do you have anything else to add? I mean, we could, I could go on. No, I mean, uh, you know, but if someone listens to this. <laughs> uh, I would imagine they saw. You know, you're not going to get it unless you saw the film. Yeah. So they have already seen the film. So I have to, you know, I don't get the opportunity to keep you from watching it. But uh, maybe. Uh, from keeping you from watching it twice, I don't know. Yeah, don't want. I, I've like I said, I've watched yeah, you've it, seen it a few times. I've, I've seen it three times. I listened to it once, so I, I really watched it visually three times. Um, that's a, 
a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's three too many. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, before we finish, I guess I'll just I want to I want to ask one thing about this movie because this movie is going to win uh, a lot of Oscars. <laughs> it's going to win a lot. It's I, I told you last week, but when we talked about doing this review, uh, as of a couple weeks ago, I, I know it changed because it lost a few awards, but it is I think the fourth. Uh, most awarded movie critically behind L.A. Confidential, Brokeback Mountain, and uh, Schindler's List. That is absolute yeah. fucking nonsense, and that speaks to the state of cinema today. Yeah. That's all uh, that does. The, the narrative pushing this movie into winning all these Oscars is that Jane Campion uh, should win an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, as Because it was an injustice that she didn't win for the piano. I like the piano. I've talked about this. Yeah, I love piano, the piano was ninety three. Ninety three, great movie, wonderful movie. Yeah, that's a good, that's a very good film. It, it it's not better than Schindler's List. No, it can't. Those are the same year, right? Schindler, like, what other movies came out that year? Uh, The Fugitive. I love The Fugitive. I do love The Fugitive. Not Best Picture winner, but like, if you really watch The Fugitive, really, that's a well written movie. Very well written. Very tight. Really well done movie. Yeah. Um, uh, I think The Remains of the Day. Daniel Day Lewis. Remains of the Day is uh, Anthony Hopkins. Oh, in the name of the Father. Excuse me. Oh, in name of the Father. In the name oh, of the Father. That's a, that's a depressing movie. In the name of the Father. And uh, yeah, Sheridan, right? Yeah, and I don't know. I maybe Howard's End. That sounds right. Remains of the Day might have been ninety two. I think Howard's End came out in ninety three. Uh-huh. So whatever is one of those. It's yeah. I remember. Yeah, there's definitely some Irish or English movie in there yeah. from that that point. Um, Schindler's List the best movie though. Yeah, you know. Well, and, it's not, but dude, it's that it's just that it's also female director. Females don't win a lot. You no, know, there's I mean, she's gonna be the third. So yeah, they yeah, don't win a lot. It was Bigelow, and last year Chloe Zhao and Chloe Zhao. And like, listen, I don't. I think Jane Campion's, uh, you know, pretty good. And I understand she got kicked out of Hollywood. It wasn't her choice. That's mm-hmm. fucked up because she's good. You yeah. know, she got kicked out of Hollywood for what twenty something years or something like that. She wasn't because no one wanted to. You know, Hollywood said no one wants to see a a, a directed movie, a woman directed movie. No one really cares. So is, they is that why? Her, yeah, she's talked about this. Yeah, you know, she had. That's why she started going to TV. Right, the top of the lake and stuff. Just to yeah. just to work. Like she wasn't right. getting any jobs. You know, and that I don't think that's right. No, but no, like no. she's a talented filmmaker. Yeah, don't very good. I just don't think because she went through that crucible we should give her the best director oscar you know for a movie that's not the best directed Dude, movie of the year yeah i mean how many how many years have we had where I, like people give you an iou oscar that's what i'm trying like to DiCaprio say but the, winning for the revenant you know what but I mean? that's the thing this isn't exactly like that this isn't exactly the uh, this the, i don't scorsese think this winning for the departed who i love scorsese yeah but, i like the departed though Oh, I like The Departed. I love it. But, but like, that's the movie you won Best that, Director that, for? I agree with you. It's Jeff Bridges' Crazy Heart, Pacino, Scent of a Woman, which will be on this podcast at some point because <laughs> yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> but, like... I think... I think Pac- I, I do really like Pacino and Scent of a Woman, stop just it. so you know. Stop it. <laughs> I do. I stop love it. that. Stop it. Dude. That, we'll talk about it. Leave throw one of this place. <laughs> I just watched Heat, by the way. Oh, I love Heat. Because she's got great ass! Yeah. <laughs> Love heat. <laughs> uh, anyway, but like, I don't think Jane Campion winning an Oscar has reached that IOU level. 
No, those are, yeah, you're right. Those are obvious IOUs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those are Hollywood. Gary legends. Oldman winning for Winston Churchill. Yeah, that's the that's like okay, yeah, we got this. This is going to be like an Alfred Hitchcock like stain where we don't give it right. Go cool, well, Gary cool. Oldman is so good. That's one of the things where like that guy is so good that if you keep snubbing him with just like not even giving him nominations, that was only his second nomination. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So like <laughs> that starts to reflect poorly on you as an organization. Yeah. So, like, he just kind of forced the issue. Like, bro, I am so good. I'm one of the best actors of my generation. Oh, yeah. Arguably the best. And yep. you've never nominated me. Like, your awards don't mean shit. Yeah. And, and he, so, he's been can't... nominated for his two West showy roles. Tinker right. Taylor's Soldier Spy is... Yeah, know, very understated. Very unemotive in that movie until yeah. that last scene, really. And then, uh, you know, Darkest Hour. Right. You know, not really flashy stuff. Yeah, but it's the whole transformative makeup and voice and oh yeah, well they, they, gate. they fucking, fucking Hollywood they, loves that. They, eats that up. They jerk off to that like like oh, Phil yeah. does to Bronco. Exactly, Punk in the that's their Bronco Henry. That is, yep. and they love and we love Churchill. The Americans, we love all. Yes. We all love oh Churchill. yes, yeah. We don't know much about Churchill. But we don't we know shit him. about him, but we love him. <laughs> World War Two. He stopped the Nazis. Yeah, that's it. FDR's buddy. That's how, <laughs> FDR's that's how we, buddy. That's how we see it. That's he said see. the Iron Curtain. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the former president <laughs> of England. He the was president. the king. Winston Churchill, the former king of England. <laughs> he was, Good guy. He was voted overwhelmingly by the population. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, that's, but you're right. Campy is not on that level. No, not even close. That's, it's actually not even close. That's my problem with this whole – and it is – that's the that's what's going on right now with this race. Mm-hmm. We have to give her and this movie the awards because of what happened in her career. And that's crazy to me. Yeah, well, and also because she's – because if she was a male and all the same shit happened, she wouldn't be a front runner. You know what I mean? No. I, no. She, it's it's also a – you know, a, this, yeah. movie, this movie – this movie – there's five better movies than this. At yeah. least five. We'll go over it in our Oscar uh, right. podcast. But, like, you know, but, they got in, you know, they got in trouble a few years ago, the year of the Irishman – where, like, all five directors were all male, and there was, like, a bunch of, or at least a few really well... Gre- Greta Gerwig could have been in Greta there. Gerwig could have been in there. That Little was actually... Little a, Women's really good. That was actually a, uh, a year where I was like, man, there's some... Like, I did so, not think Scorsese should have been nominated for Irishman. Oh, uh, I do now. I, I agreed with you at the time. I, I, the Irishman has really... I like that movie. <sighs> Maybe, well, hopefully for your sake, it'll be... <laughs> people will reflect back on it more kindly with time and maybe you're right it's just it's changed my opinion i'll say that much yeah i'll say that much. I don't, I, it's not a bad film and i actually think the acting is uh, i i think pesci and honestly pacino i think is I really good in, in it movie. what I, I love pesci in that movie yeah because it's anti-pesci yeah exactly it's where everyone loves it um but yeah so that's what's going on uh what movie will be will we be doing next? Oh, I just uh, don't look up. I believe. Don't look up. Another Netflix movie. Yeah. Another movie that it. was it's nominated for four Academy Awards. Correct. Uh, Best picture. Uh, what else? <laughs> best. I, I think, actually don't I think, know. I think best screenplay. I was about to say I think, I think best writing. And, and it's nominated for two others, but I don't really know. And uh, whatever. I'm gonna be honest. This is obviously a weak ass year. It's actually the top is not weak. That's the that's the thing. We'll talk about it, but like, the top is not weak. It's this other stuff. I mean, Licorice Pizza got snubbed on everything. No, it's not made for four awards. What did it get? It got it's, like editing. Uh, 
screenplay. Oh, it did get screenplay. I thought it didn't. Screenplay, yeah. It got screenplay, director, picture. Oh, okay. All right, we're fine. Yeah, and that's I a gotta, good movie. I, yeah, I got to watch that film. Um, I love P.T. Anderson. So, yeah, uh, Don't Look Up, which is a satire. It's not Dr. Strangelove level satire. Uh, I have seen it. I will be watching it again for this review. Uh, very heavy-handed. Uh, mm-hmm. Just as obvious as The Power of the Dog. Okay, cool. So we got a theme for the next two weeks. Oh, yeah. This this movie's more obvious than Power of the Dog. It yeah. pulls no punch. Adam McKay is not uh, one for subtlety. No, never has been. <laughs> He's not a not subtle the maker man. of Anchorman. Not one for subtlety. <laughs> So yeah, that will be up. Uh, don't that will be next? Excuse me. Don't don't look up. Will be next. Uh, any parting words, John? No. Um, be wary of films that <laughs> uh, pretend to have a story <laughs> that feign substance. Looking, the trailer is a lot better than the movie. Yeah, looking good, uh, being shot well, having good actors. <laughs> And good sets and a dark mood and a professional score. Uh, it can all look really pretty, but at the end of the day, that's all window dressing. If yeah. the story isn't there, the writing isn't there, Yep, that's where the substance lies. Yep. And this film doesn't have substance, Correct. in my opinion. I agree. I agree. That's it. It's not a terrible film. Oh, yeah. Uh, we didn't do the... A lot of nothing. We didn't do our score for Robin Hood, so we have to do, we have to do that. What would be your score for this movie? We said oh. 65 was good. Well, 65 Yeah, was yeah, good. by Rotten Tomato score. Yeah, um, that's what we went with. 61. So a little less than good, you said. Yeah, well, Rotten Tomatoes, it's 60 and above. Oh, it's 60? Yeah, is, is, is fresh. All right, that changed. That changes my thing. Uh, uh, I'm going to say 61. I'll give it, because ju- just relatively speaking, there's so many worse films out there. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to change it. 59. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to be petty. 59. <laughs> Fuck this. Uh, I'm going to go with 62. Okay. I'll go with 62. That, I think it's a, a tad better than okay. That's, I think it's just around okay. There we go. 59, 62. All right. So, guys, an okay movie is going to win Best Picture. Gear up. Yep. This is the world we live in now. All right. Buckle up. Okay. All right. See you guys next time. time. Yep. Bye.